Well, good morning. We can do better than that. Good morning. There we go. If you have your Bibles, I do invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, some of you may say, hey, I thought we were jumping back into Acts at the beginning of the year. I tried real hard this week, but the Spirit just wouldn't let me jump into Acts, and so I felt led to go another direction. 1 John chapter 2, uh, this morning we're going to hang out there, and then over the next two weeks, I'll tell you a little bit how that's going to unfold. And then on the week of the 22nd, when small groups kick back off, is when we'll jump back into Acts chapter 11. Happy New Year, 2023. Uh, I had to say it again, just the more you say it, the more you'll remember that it's that year. Uh, and I began to think, you know, kind of through uh, this past year, uh, uh, last night we were sitting at the dinner table uh, and uh, asked the girls what their favorite thing was for the whole year, uh, and Evie just thought about Christmas. And so, uh, anyway, we're like, hey, what about like Rhett? You know, Rhett got here this year. But anyway, uh, that's her little brother. Uh, but anyway, uh, and so just thinking through the year, uh, uh, you know, for a church, we, you know, we, we did walk through some hardships, but we had, we had a good year as a church. And, uh, you know, beginning of the year, we did the, the new membership covenants, which went awesome where we kind of laid out some new vision of who we are as a church and our core values uh, and things like that. Uh, we had numerous baptisms. Here's one I'm really excited about that I never thought I would say. It's actually been two years in a row uh, when I first got here. Uh, but this year, we actually met budget, amen? Uh, and so he said, Justin, like, that's two years in a row we did that. Not only that, we took in over twenty, over 25000 extra over budget. That's a big deal for Crosspoint Church, by the way. Uh, so we can give the Lord a hand uh, for that. So that's, that's you guys. Uh, we don't talk about money much, but that's something that we give honor or honors do. Uh, and so that's why we're doing that. And so that's not counting the thousands of dollars that was given towards the Dominican trip. Uh, and to India. And so uh, thank you guys for, for that. Uh, uh, we sent a team back to the DR. We, we haven't been since pre-COVID, and this past year we sent a team back to the DR, and we'll send another one uh, this year. And you hear more about that in the next few weeks, but if you're interested in that, go ahead and start letting me know. I know some of you have, uh, but uh, in probably in two weeks uh, we'll have a sign-up sheet with actual dates and things like that. Uh, we... Uh, called uh, the Next Point team uh, to figure out what we're doing next with that awful facility over there. We finally came and we called that team. That team's been working hard. I'm excited for y'all to, to hear in, in, in a couple months kind of where they are, uh, where the Lord is leading us. Uh, here's another one that I really am excited about. We made a commitment uh, in 22 that we would take the Lord's Supper together once a month, and we did it for the whole year, uh, once a month. And so at least once a month for 2022, we took the Lord's Supper together. Uh, and so those are things that, you know, we just need to be excited about in the past year. I also know that uh, 22 was marked by loss and tragedy and mistakes for, for many people, as we've talked about already. Uh, but through it all, we've seen, the, and you hopefully have seen the faithfulness of God in 2022. Uh, no matter what your circumstances may have been, you've seen, really, and my prayer is this, is that, a, you've seen the faithfulness of God, but also you've seen the faithfulness of God's people for you on your behalf. And that's what I hope 2022 has taught. And I know for myself and me walking through things, I saw the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people walking along with me and my family. And so I hope you do the same. This past year, and kind of lay out what the next three weeks are going to look like, or two weeks after this, 
County today is that we laid out our new vision statement this past year, and it's going to come up on the screen. If you're guests with us, this is who we are at Crosspoint. Uh, we exist for God's glory, that everything we say and do, our worship services, our small groups, uh, us individually into the, into the community, we exist for God's glory. The core of our being is that we exist for God to be glorified in our lives. And as a church, practically how we do that is we have three core values, and we, they are this, that we commit ourselves to God's truth. That first and foremost, the duty of the church pastor and leader is to teach the people the word of God. Uh, the chief duty for the follower of Christ is to study the word of God. We commit ourselves to the truth, God's truth. That is first and foremost what we commit ourselves to. Not only that, but we commit ourselves to God's people, uh, the God's uh, God's church, the other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, by, and then thirdly, we commit ourselves to God's mission. So what we're going to do starting today is we're going to take those three core values and just reaffirm them starting the new year. As us as a church, we are, and so we just did that a few months ago. Well, uh, if, if, if you're like me, I need to recommit things all the time, right? And so at the beginning of this year, we're committing ourselves for God's, we exist for God's glory. We're gonna commit ourselves to God's truth. We're gonna commit ourselves to God's people, specifically Crosspoint, and we're gonna commit ourselves to God's mission, a fresh commitment to God's word. So just why is it so, why is God's word so important? The older I get and the more I study it, this is what I come to realize, that it, being the word of God, by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, will keep us until the day of our Lord. Uh, what I've come to understand, why is the word of God is not just a token to say for the child of God, as in, read your Bible, why, is, why, should, it, why should this be my most cherished prized possession? Because by it and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit will keep me until the day of the Lord. It will keep me in my perspective. It would guard me. It would guide me, but it will keep me. This past week, as I said, I was trying my best to jump back into Acts chapter 11. I'm going to read a couple uh, verses for you. It's going to come up on the screen. It's just phenomenal. So this is, uh, we understand that Cornelius got saved in, uh, in chapter, uh, that's, that's Romans. There we go. I tell you all the time I wasn't in Bible drill, so just give me a chance to get there. Uh, and Acts Chapter 10 is when we see Cornelius through Peter uh, become, a, become a Christian. And then we go, he goes back to Jerusalem, and there he's with the Jerusalem council there. Uh, or, and they are convinced, okay, the, the Lord is, uh, salvation is for the Gentiles as well. When we get to chapter 11, uh, or midways to chapter 11, evidently we jump back to uh, the dispersion whenever Saul was persecuting the church. Right, so we, we went to Judea and Samaria, and we kind of followed uh, Philip and them, but there were other people who spread, and they went ev even all the way into Phoenicia and Cyprus, and so there were people in Antioch who became born again who were not, they were Hellenists, but not like Hellenists Jews, they were Greeks. So they become followers of Jesus, and what happened in all this, so we've been in chapter 10, little did we know there was, there was, there was a church in Antioch already starting, right? And so the church sends a good person, sends a guy named Barnabas, and thankfully Barnabas went, remember Barnabas was the guy who, who kind of let, got Saul into the church in Jerusalem, like Saul, like Barnabas is the guy we all should be. Uh, he just, he sees the best in people, gives people the benefit of the doubt. He's a godly man. And anyway, and so they sent Barnabas. And this is what happens to these new believers. In verse 23, this is what it says. 
And when he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad, and check out this, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And that is the prayer of all of us as pastors, is that those who know Jesus remain faithful unto the Lord. And that's what, that's what he exhorts them to do. But check out what he does next. And I'm excited about this. And so verse 24 says, For he was a good man, full of the Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas, here it is, went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So we finally get to see Saul again, uh, starting at the 22nd. Uh, but when he found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. And check out, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Here's what's crazy, ready? This church starts in Antioch. Barnabas goes and he encourages them to remain faithful to the Lord. And he went and got Saul. And what did they do for a whole year? They just taught the word. They just taught doctrine. What the, what, the, what the child of God needs is the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2, let me give you a little bit of context here. I know a few years ago we walked through the book of 1 John, but many of you uh, weren't here with us then. And, and 1 John, John's writing for a few reasons. Uh, one is that there was kind of a fray. There were some people who had left the faith. They had been deceived, and they had left the faith. And so then you have people who remained who were doubt, like, what's going on with these people? Why is, am I going to jump ship? Am I going? What's going on? So John is writing to give them assurance on things and, you know, some explanation of other things. Uh, and in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, this is what the Word of God says. It says, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that, anti, that, you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, for he who denies the Father and the Son. No one denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. There it is. Let the, what you heard in the beginning abide in you. Check this out. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. For this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need to, that anyone should teach you. But as, an, as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true, and it is no lie, just as it has been taught you, abide in him. Verse 28, and now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Pray with me. Father, we come to you now, God, and we ask you to bless the reading and teaching of your word. God, 
As we read, we see this word abide over and over again. God may teach us what it means to abide in your word and abide in your spirit this day. Teach us uh, the importance, again, of the word of God being central in our life. God, bless our time. May our time bless you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in this passage, what we see, uh, and I, I tell you, I like to do this whenever we see different ways to, uh, for me to, or Luke to give you an opportunity, or get an opportunity to kind of teach you how to read scripture in a way that you see what the, what's going on there. there we did, I did it last week or two weeks ago. Uh, whenever, we, whenever it feels like the author is repeating himself, it's there, he's repeating himself for a purpose. Whenever it seems like things are like he's saying the same thing over and over again, it's because that's the point of what he's writing. And in this text, there's really three repetitions uh, that I want to point out that really kind of give us why the word of God, why is it important for me as as the church, but as the child of God, commit myself to God's word this day. First of all, we see the first repetition. Repetition number one is verse 18. He says this, children... And I wrote it up on throw it up. I think that's the point. So here's the repetition. It is the verse. So I gave you a picture of it so you'll be able to see it. Uh, it's hard, sometimes it's hard to see when we're just reading the Bible. But check out this. So it is the last hour. And so that's like one. Uh, and then you have, you have heard the Antichrist is coming. Many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it's the last hour. That's, the, that's a way of writing the authors used. That you see it in the book of Psalms, but you see it here in, in 1 John, that he's repeating himself so that we understand what he's trying to say. And what he's trying to say is, is we know it's the last hour because we've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Matter of fact, there has been, so therefore we know that it's the last hour. So Justin, what in the world is the last hour? What are you talking about? Specifically, uh, the last hour kind of, in one sense, it speaks to whenever the Lord will return. But more specifically, it's like the timing, what's going on in the world at the moment of his return, like what, what's going on prior to his return, right? And so what, what, John, what John is writing is saying, listen to me, church, you should know that it's the last hour. Like the, 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 the season is ripe for the Lord to return. Like the things that are going on in the world, it is the last hour. How do we know that? Because we've seen, we've, we have heard that the spirit of the Antichrist will be here. So Justin, what is the spirit of the Antichrist? Well, he answers it. Over in verse 22b, it is this, that this is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Scripturally, whenever you think about, when you read scriptures about the last hour, the Bible gives a picture of the the, the last hour being an age of deception, that there would be great deception going. There would be people who come out, if you will, that will go out to deceive. It's a, it's a time of great deception near the return of Christ. There's an increasing activity. So what is the spirit of the Antichrist? In essence, it's one who, who uh, denies that Christ is God, that he is the Lord. I wrote it down like the spirit of, of Antichrist does anything to diminish Christ. You with me? But not only that, but substitute other views or persons in his place. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. How do we know that we're in the last hour? It's because the, the, the activity of the spirit of Antichrist, of, of denying Christ to who he is and replacing him with something or someone begins to raise and become more and more. Hey, do you, hey, 
Anybody with me? Like that there's a season in which that more and more the, the, the cultural climate of the world will be removing Jesus as him being God, him being Savior, and replacing him with some other view, some other thought, some other person for the world to be deceived by. Am I with me? So we see that playing out in our culture even more as the day draws near. So John writes, listen to me, first of all, you need to know church that we're in the last hour. The reason we know in the last hour is because there are people putting themselves in the place of Jesus. Or they're telling you to follow something that's not Jesus. We know that it's in the last hour. Then we see the second repetition. So the first thing that we see is John's, hey, church, this is the way it is because we're in the last hour. This is what the Bible says will happen. There will be a great deception that takes place. Listen, this was thousands of years ago. And activity is increasing and ramping up even more and more. Second repetition we see in verse 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So as you see it on the screen, broke down again. There's the repetition. They went from us. So this is people that once associated with the followers, with this church, and now they went out from us. Why? Because they were not of us, because if they would have been of us, they would, not, they would have continued with us. And so you see the repetition. What is Paul trying, or what is Paul's just natural preacher talk? We have a good chance when we're looking through the Bible, if we say that Paul wrote that we're going to be right. Uh, uh, but anyway, John writes for them to know not only is these things, the deception going on because we're in the last hour, but the reason why these people who left is because they were never a part of us anyway. What, which is, a, you know, kind of introduces kind of a side point. Here's we have for the child of God, there's the test of, of perseverance here. And, and we don't talk like this much, uh, but we should. Uh, because what's happened in South Mississippi, especially, is what we call easy believism. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you've become, maybe you come from, and people really got saved in churches that said, all you got to do is say this prayer. It costs you nothing to say this prayer. You get to go to heaven. Now I understand the majority of us in here, that's how we, do, that's how we came to know Jesus. So I'm not saying if that's you, your story's not right. What happens is, is that we get presented a gospel, a cheap gospel that just says, all you got to do is this, and it requires nothing else, which that is a, obviously salvation is a free gift. But what we have is people who live like hell, but yet thinking they're going to go to glory. And Scripture teaches definitely in here that there's a perseverance that will happen for the child, for the child of God, those who have been born of God. And that perseverance is not in my own strength. It's because when, when God has me, he will cause me to persevere. That doesn't mean that I will be perfect in my life. That doesn't mean that I'll have seasons where I doubt or have seasons where I backslide. But ultimately, for the child of God, there is a promise by God that the Holy Spirit has taken residence in me. He has sealed me until the day of redemption, that he will, go, he will, he will cause me to persevere. So what J John is saying here, the reason why they are not here. The reason why they didn't persevere because they were not of us in the first place. They never were a part of us. The lack of perseverance is evidence that there was no salvation. We wrote this down when we were, when Luke and I were writing kind of our statement of, of beliefs and things, and we wrote this down about sanctification. And 
For one, sanctification is the evidence of justification. Let me break those down for you. Sanctification, if that's the churchy word for saying the transformation that God is doing in your life, transforming you into the image of his son, right? As in, when God saved you, you were here, but you can see the work of God in sanctifying, cleaning, calling you out, transforming your life, right? The sanctification, the transformation, is the evidence that justification happened, that I actually was born again. Everybody with me? So sanctification in one sense is the evidence of justification, but check this, ready? But is the hope of glorification. As in, if all I've done is said this prayer back in my life, but I've had nothing to do with Jesus in between, I have no hope to think that I'm actually going to heaven when I die. So sanctification as God is working in my life is evidence. It is, it is evidence that God, did, he started the work here, but it's also hope that he will continue the work until the day I die or Jesus comes back. And what we see here, and it's a point here, is not everybody who starts finishes. Not everybody who believes in Jesus actually receives Jesus. We'll see that in Acts chapter 11. When we go back, that there are people who believe, but they haven't received him yet. They hadn't trusted him for salvation. They had a head knowledge of him. And so the point, the repetition here that he's telling, listen to me. Hey, these things are going on because we're in the last hour. And in the last hour, what happens is there's a great uh, purging that happens. And there were actually people who once named Jesus are now been deceived and they have, they have ran off on these other thoughts. They were never of us. That's point two through the repetition. Everybody with me? Okay. So Justin, how does this have anything to do with the word of God and committing ourselves to the Lord God? Stay with me. Before we get to that, check out verses 20 through 23. And then this is beautiful. What, well, what makes me different as a child of God? What makes us different than the one who was never truly regenerate? Well, the reality of verses 20 through 23, it says, but you, so now when, when John is writing this, he's doing two things. One, he's informing them of what's happening around them, but he wants to encourage what God is actually doing in them. You with me? So they were afraid, oh my gosh, these people who were teachers, they are left, they're not even trusting Jesus anymore, or they're blending the truth. Is that going to happen to me? And so now John wants to encourage them. He says, but you, you have been anointed by the Holy One. Man, that's a beautiful way to write about salvation. It says, you've been anointed by the Holy One. This is speaking of when we're born again, when we're saved, whenever the Holy Spirit, ultimately that anointing literally gives a picture of, of, of oil being wiped upon the scale of eyes that have been scaled over. That's literally the image that John writes when he says, you've been anointed. And the picture of salvation, what happens is, is the Holy Spirit comes and he, he anoints our eyes so that for the first time we can see. And that's what, that's what happens in salvation is that he, the Holy Spirit anoints our eyes. Have you ever thought about that? Like definitely if you grew up in church and you heard the gospel hundreds of times, but all of a sudden one day it just clicked. Do you think you got smart or something? No, the message didn't change. What happened? The Holy Spirit finally came in and anointed your eyes for you to see it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. He is the agent of salvation. He, he anoints us. He says, listen, you've been anointed by the Holy One. 
The Spirit is given to you, and what happens? And you all have knowledge. Why have you believed in Jesus? Why have we trusted in Jesus? It's because the Holy Spirit opened our eyes to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit opened our eyes to believe him and to trust in him. So first thing that we see about the anointing is that we know the truth. We have to understand this, that, we, that the, us knowing the truth is the gift of the Spirit who's anointed our eyes to see. And what we see is that if you continue reading, it says, you have the knowledge, I'll write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because there's no lie in the truth. So what was going on, there was these deceptions that these people were teaching about a secret knowledge that only certain people, it was the beginnings of like Gnosticism. And I didn't want to bore you all with that today, but what was going on is John was writing to attack people who were saying, we have this secret knowledge that only certain people can get. And if you can't get it, then you're really not a Christian. And so they were deceiving and they were, they were making things muddy, if you will. And so they were lying, they were mixing lies in with the truth. And what, what he tells them here is, listen to me, you, you've been anointed by the Holy One, you've been given the Holy Spirit, and because of that, you, you know the truth. And the truth is not mixed with lies. I wrote it like this, that the Spirit will never lead the believer in a direction that compromises the Word of God. That for the child of God in the anointing and salvation, when we receive the Spirit, now we have the reality that the Spirit within us will never lead us to do something, say something, believe in something that contradicts what the Word of God says. So if you're listening or you're thinking and you think it's the Holy Spirit and it's something that God's calling you to do that is not in line with his scripture, it is not the Holy Spirit leading you to do that. You ate, you had a bad meal that morning. And here's something else, ready to? The Spirit does not speak on his own. That's what Jesus teaches us in the gospel. Or listen to me. Or reveal something that's not already been revealed. He may clarify, but he doesn't bring new revelation. And listen, for the child of God, at the moment of salvation, that's been placed inside of you. The Antichrist, it says in verse 22, he denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. But for the child of God, not only do we have knowledge, but it says, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. See, here's the gift of the anointing, gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only do we see the truth, but we confess Jesus as Lord. Hey, here's just something. Hey, the reason why we confess Jesus is Lord is because the Spirit has allowed us to see him as Lord and he's given us the faith to call him Lord. But not only that, as the child of God in the anointing, not only did you see truth, not only did you confess Jesus as Lord, but says you also have the Father. So now I'm gonna try to land it to committing to God's word. You ready? How can we remain faithful in confessing Christ in a world that denies him. If for the last hour, right, in verse 18, is that over and more and more, the spirit of the Antichrist, which aims at deception, you ready? 
This idea of confessing Jesus, how do we confess Jesus? Not just saying, how do we preach Jesus, but even my own life, how do I continue to be faithful in calling Christ Lord, confessing him as my Lord in the age of deception, in the age that denies I'm glad you asked. That's repetition number three we see in verse 24. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. So check out the passiveness there. There's the, there's the repetition. Check out, it says, so first of all, there's a, we let something happen, right? So we let what you heard from the beginning. What is that? That would be the apostles' doctrine. The things that we're studying in the book of Acts, the teachings that we will see, even the Jesus' teachings, and specifically the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection, the power of Christ. John writes to the church, listen to me, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Don't walk away from that. Stay saturated in that. Listen, they didn't have the Bible put together like we do. For us, if John was writing it now, be stick, stay, stick to abide in what has been revealed to you in what we call the pages of Scripture. Abide in that. Let that abide in you. And what's the result? Ready? If you, uh, sorry, if you abide, if what you've heard abides in you, what's the result? you will abide in the Son and the Father. Repetition, right? Repetition. What's the first repetition? It's the last hour of people getting crazy. What's the second repetition? But they were never of us. What's the third repetition? But for you, you've been anointed, that you know the truth, that you confess Jesus as Lord. If you allow the word to abide in you, you will abide in the Son and the Father. Like, like, Jesus tells us to abide in him. How do we abide in him? We let what we've heard abide in us. To remain in us, that's the word there, to remain in us, to stay in us. Why is the word of God so important? It's because by it, we will abide in the Lord. We cannot abide in him apart from it. Sorry, I stopped looking at my notes. You know me, I got to get back to them. New Year, same me. The next thing we see in this text, verse 25, is the Spirit and the Word leads us to eternal life. Verse 25 says, and all this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. That these, the abiding Spirit and us letting the Word abide in us will lead us to eternal life to me, not just in the future, but even now. That we will experience the glories and the blessings of abiding in the Father and the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of his word. Listen to me, child of God, do you know that even now in your life, you can live life with the power of the Godhead at display and at work in your life now? that you can enjoy what it means to have Christ as an advocate, as our high priest, that whenever I drop the ball and I mess up by the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the word, I have a high priest that I can call out to, that I have a, a, a savior, a shepherd who will walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death, 
that stick closest to me, closer to me than a brother. That you can experience that eternal life even now. How? By letting what we've heard abide in us, and the result of that, we will abide in him. I didn't make this stuff up. It's literally what John wrote. I'm just reading it. If you don't like it, then tell John that. Good luck finding him. Where's the Holy Spirit at all? Let's look at verses. I'll just read a couple of these verses. 26. I love this. The the, the same Holy Spirit that anointed our eyes is the same Holy Spirit that is abiding in us. Verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing, remember, when did we get the anointing? At salvation. Who is the anointing? The Holy Spirit. The anointing you received from you abides in you. So, in the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit anoints our eyes and he abides in us. Right with me? All right? And he comes to us via the word that's been brought, been brought, been preached. So now, through the, in the power of the Spirit that's abiding in us already, as we're letting that word abide in us, the third person of the Trinity is keeping us abiding in the Father and the Son. Child of God, the full power of the Godhead is at work in our sanctification and our keeping us. It's not because we've got something figured out. It's because God said, I'm going to place my spirit within you. I'm going to give you the word that he's going to keep in you. And by doing that, you're going to stay with me. The Holy Spirit continues to guide us and to keep us in the truth and guard us from error. What we see in verse 27, the anointing receive, you receive uh, from abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and it's true and there's no lie, just that it's taught you abide in him. What's our hope of abiding? Look at verse 28. Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence, not shrink from shame shrink from him in shame at his coming. What's the hope of this abiding? Is that Christ will return one day, and when he returns, I don't have to be shrinking in fear. I haven't spent a lot of time, as much time in eschatology as others, but I've heard people say this, that if you're thinking about the Lord Jesus, eschatology, his return, if it leads you in fear, if you're left in fear, that you have, then you haven't gone far enough yet. You haven't studied long enough yet. You stopped too soon. Because the return of the Jesus for the child of God who's, who's been born again, who's been sanctified by the Spirit, who's waiting for his return, that's a moment that we don't have to shrink back at, freak out about, but anticipate the Lord Jesus returning. How is that so? The abiding presence of the Spirit and the abiding power of the Word of God will keep us until the day of our Lord. So what's the take on from this text? I hope you got it. It's repetitive. I'm gonna repeat it again. The first thing is this, that we are in the last hour of deception. Second thing is that the word of God and the spirit of God uh, will protect us from deception and lead us to eternal life. Thirdly, therefore, we should let the word of God abide in us and we should abide in the spirit. So what's our commitment? Going back to, 
cross point. We exist for God's glory by committing ourselves to God's truth, God's people, God's mission. What is our commitment to God's truth? Number one, we believe God's truth. We believe that this is the inspired word of God. That when God decided to speak to humanity, he did it in this thing called the Bible. And everything we need to know about him, ourselves, and how to get to him and how to live for him is found in this. There's no new revelation coming. Everything is here. We believe it. Every, every, every dot and iota, we believe it. Even the parts that we can't explain, we believe it. It is the power, it is the authority, it is the word of God. It is our final, last authority. We submit to it. I don't, I don't stand on top of it saying do what I needed to do. I, I sit under it saying it is, it is the boss. It, it, he is the boss. He has spoken to me through his word. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. If you, if you think that the Bible, this is if you're a guest with us, if you think the Bible is just like something we add to the service, you're at the wrong place. Here we believe that this is the word of God and it deserves utmost honor and respect and desire. Not only do we believe it as pastors, but as members of Cross Point, we believe that this is the word of God. And what it says is God's word, regardless of how it's accepted, regardless of how it may interfere or disrupt or hurt somebody's feelings or cause family you know, drift, it is the word of God and we believe it to be so. Amen? The second thing to how we can, our commitment to God's truth is that we obey it. We believe it and we obey it. When I was talking to Luke the other day and while I was kind of struggling with not feeling free to continue in Acts 11, but I needed to pump the brakes for a moment, was, what, for a year and a half now, we've been walking through the book of Acts. And I hope that, man, our knowledge has grown and our love has grown for the word of God. And on a part, on the other side of that is, you know, for some of us, it is what it's done. And that's what my hope is. For the child of God, this 50 minutes that I teach, sometimes 57, sometimes 42, however long I teach, this moment, for, this is not enough to sustain you in your everyday life for Jesus. And you're abiding. It's supplemental to your own personal walk and study of the word, Right? And so what, I, what we hope is that as we're walking through as a church through the book of Acts and a small group we're going through the book of Acts, that your taste for the word of God has increased more and more. Maybe for a lot of you, even in your own personal study, this past year has been a time of growth. Amen to that. But here's the worst thing that can happen. I'm going to use the word doctrine, but it's not, don't be scared of it. Just go principle, the principles that we learn in scripture. The worst thing that we could happen is that we develop a lot of doctrine that does not drive our feet in obedience. Yeah, I'm talking to you. The worst thing that can happen is that our head puffs up, but not once have we shared the gospel with a lost person that we work with every day. That's the worst thing that can happen. I don't care to know what you know if you're not telling people about the good news of Jesus. Not only do we believe it's the word of God, but we obey the word of God. And the Bible tells us that we are, we are his witnesses, that we are to go and share the good news. I believe and I obey what he's called me to do, to love my wife, to raise my kids, to pastor this church, to, to be who he's called me to be. Not only do I believe it, but we're obedient to it. It's not just something that we hold up saying, I know all of this. It's something that actually 
directs how my feet walk and how my mouth opens. Amen? Make sure we're amen into that one too. Thirdly, and here you go, we proclaim it. We believe it, we obey it, and we proclaim it. In an age of deception, in an age of, of, of removing Jesus from where he's supposed to be and replacing him with something or somebody else in the world saying, yeah, but this is what you ought to do. No, we boldly proclaim the, God, the word of God that this is God's word and Christ and Christ alone is the only name given among men which man may be saved. We proclaim it. His goodness, the whole council, we proclaim it. As John Ryan comes up, I promise I'm done. Happy New Year. Here's the question. You got to have a plan of attack to commit to God's word. What I've learned in my, I'm going to be 36 this month, y'all. Y'all hired me when I was 29. What were y'all thinking? What I've learned in life is spiritually, because, our, because we're still wrapped in this flesh, like, let me say it like this, and maybe you can judge me if you want to. Um, if there's something my flesh desires, it's very easy for me to do whatever in the world I need to do to make that flesh a desire to come about. Right with me? Like, this means nothing to you. Some of it will. I decided, in the help of Brandon Sorrell, that I wanted to get into saddle hunting this year get off the tree saying I just want to hang from a tree like I'm in a hammock and just shoot. It's the craziest thing in the world. You know that I've spent money. I've spent time just climbing trees in my own yard like I'm a little boy. Uh, just shoot, try. Why? Because that's what my flesh desires. It's very easy for me to do that. Before I even went into the woods, I was already like customizing my climbing sticks and I never even climbed one yet. Like it's, it's consumed me, right? That's our flesh. It's very easy for us to, to not that it's a bad thing, but it's very easy to do those things. You know what's hard? Things that are on the spiritual realm. Why? Because we're still wrapped in this flesh that is selfish. We're still wrapped in this flesh that wants to do that and not spend the time. And so if we don't attack this commitment to the word of God with an actual plan, we're not going to do it. We're actually not going to start reading the Bible. We're actually not going to start uh, wanting to understand the things of God. Listen, we're not going to want to get off the milk and go after after the meat. We're always going to remain childish in our faith. So what's your plan for committing to God's word in 2023? Have you thought about it? If not, here's our time to think about it. In 2023, I'm gonna say it again, just like in 2022, there are unlimited resources at your disposal as a child of God to study the word of God. You don't have time to sit down? Well, man, there's apps that actually read it to you. You can pick the voice. You don't like that accent? Pick another one. Oh, you need music playing in the background. Well, they've got those apps too. Oh, you need to see it as they're reading it. They've got that too. Out front in the foyer. Well, first, let's say one way to commit ourselves is that as a church, we're going to commit to gathering together, right? Because we know each Sunday the word's going to be taught. We're going to commit to going to small groups where we break down what we've learned in the Word of God and questions and things like that. But there needs to be more. And so out in the foyer, I've done this before, we've got Bible reading plans out there 
a little bit different this time. I, I, I provided two. One is a New Testament reading plan, and one is an entire Bible reading plan. It's the genre reading plan that we did a couple years ago. So, like, on Sundays, you would read epistles. On Fridays, you're reading prophecy. Uh, on Wednesdays, you're reading songs. And so this, or poetry. So it breaks down each day you're reading. A, and so you'll go all the way to the Bible. But maybe neither one of those, you know, speak your language. And so the, out there in the foyer on the table to the right, there's two pieces of paper. One says men's Bible reading sources. The other one says women's Bible reading sources. Uh, I got Ashley to send me a few of the Bible reading resources that she used that cater specifically to women. I mean, you can use it too, but I just feel weird about this Bible recap and this lady. Anyway, um, not the end. Uh, so there's, there's some there, and it's got the website on there. Go in, go in the foyer, take a picture of it with your phone. Those resources that, that are available there, there's this really cool. There's one that's called the Bible recap that you can go through. Like, Ashley just went through the New Testament every morning. I would hear that lady walking through the New Testament books with her. Uh, as a recap, and you're walking, so they have you know, New Testament available, or they have the whole Bible available on that thing, but there's, there's three that are listed for the ladies, and there's one that says men's, and there's different websites that are Bible reading helps and resources. I encourage you, those are the ones that I specifically use, I know Luke uses as well. Go take a picture of them, and maybe you say, Justin, I'm gonna start reading the Bible, but I get to this, and I struggle with that. Well, these websites, there's places you can go to find help on answering those things. So Justin, well, that's, that's how I can help you as being pastor, committing yourself to the Word of God, to show you resources that are available that doesn't cost you a dime. Cool? I don't know how to respond other than I'm going to pray. <clears throat> and I hope that you commit this year to exist for God's glory by first committing to this. And I hope you never get tired of me saying that we've got to commit to this. Because... If that's the case, then you're just going to have to fire me because that's what I'm going to keep saying. I'll go down swinging. It. <laughs> and it's goat skin, so it'll hurt. Uh, but it won't break it either. Anyway, sorry, distracted. I pictured just hitting somebody with the Bible in the head. I'm not going to tell you who. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, and you respond if you just need to respond to the Lord. We're going to sing, I think, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Respond in the gratitude of, for the blood. And that by the blood, that Christ, after he was resurrected, that he sent the Spirit. The same Spirit that we see sent in the book of Acts is the same Spirit that anointed our eyes to see. And now, because of the Spirit's abiding work, I can remain in the Father and the Son and in the, in the power of the Spirit and the aid of His work. Man, God's good to us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we pray now as we enter a time of response, maybe this response is just in song, that we say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Maybe this response is in a time of prayer. Maybe our response is a time that we grab a buddy or a pastor and just kind of talk through things or pray through things. God, I don't know how to teach, uh, you know, lead people to respond, but you do. God, I pray that we remain faithful. 
to respond in a way that glorifies you. God, I thank you in an age of deception, an age and information overload. God, you have given us the only word that abides forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, the word of God remains forever. God, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to have one, the spirit who will teach us how to know it and to believe it, to obey it, and to proclaim it. How we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can stand and respond as the Lord leads.